0: We were just having a beer. I looked away for a second. The table shook. I looked back and Gary was just about to fall off his stool. And I instantly knew he was having a stroke. And I knew it was a serious one. I shouted for help, shouted for somebody to send for an ambulance, told them in Spanish he was having an infract, infract, emergency. They took him to Alicante Hospital I had to sign immediately for him to be operated on. They said he wouldn't survive if I didn't. As soon as he was deemed fit enough, although he was put back in a coma, I had him airlifted by his his medical insurance company from work, they airlifted him to Switzerland. And he then went into a rehab clinic and he lived full time in the rehab clinic. And then lockdown came. So we couldn't get back to England. We had to stay in Switzerland. So we stayed there until lockdown had finished. And really, lockdown was marvellous for us because we did therapy every day. During that lockdown time, Gary started to learn to talk. I taught him the alphabet because he couldn't read, he couldn't do maths, he didn't know what numbers were. We've got what I consider the best life back possible in this situation. We travel, we keep ourselves busy. Gary has now relearned to play golf, even though he has paralysis in his right side, he's learnt his left side to pull the right side along.
1: Hello Mark Goodyear here, welcome to Stroke Stories, it's the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Today we hear from Gary and Pauline Yates from Derby. Gary suffered a stroke at the age of 56 and as a result developed aphasia, a condition that affects his ability to speak.
0: We were very extremely focused career people Gary worked for a company. He worked globally. It was at the top of his career, the peak of his career. And I ran a business in England, a very successful business. This stroke completely turned our world upside down completely in one second. That really put it in a nutshell because our life stopped. Everything stopped. It happened in Benidorm on holiday. We were just sitting, having a drink, and there it was. There was no warning signs, nothing. It was a very serious. Gary was in intensive care, in an induced coma for seven days. They didn't think he would survive. When he did, he lost everything in his life, from his speech to his career and everything in between, believe me. He had nothing. We were just sitting in a bar in Benidorm. We'd just arrived. We'd gone there just overnight for a weekend. We were just having a beer. I looked away for a second. The table shook. I looked back and Gary was just about to fall off his stool. And I instantly knew he was having a stroke. And I knew it was a serious one. I shouted for help, shouted for somebody to send for an ambulance, told them in Spanish he was having an infract, infract, emergency. They took him to Alicante Hospital. I had to sign immediately for him to be operated on. They said he wouldn't survive if I didn't. Then he was in intensive care. He came out of his coma. They took him out of his coma to see if he would breathe on his own. He did briefly, but then something went wrong. He was put back in and he'd got a brain fever of some sort, which I don't even know about. As soon as he was... Deemed fit enough, although he was put back in a coma, I had him airlifted by his insur- his medical insurance company from work. They airlifted him to Switzerland and he then went into a rehab clinic and he lived full time in the rehab clinic. And in an instant, yeah. I gave my business up, my life really in England, and I moved to Switzerland to be with him and spent 10 hours Seven days a week, learning all his therapies, supporting him, being with him. He was in there for six months. I decided I wanted to bring him home because I felt it was marvellous rehab, but I felt it was becoming institutionalised. So they allowed him to come home and then lockdown came. So we couldn't get back to England. We had to stay in Switzerland. So we stayed there until lockdown had finished. And really, lockdown was marvellous for us because we did therapy every day. During that lockdown time, Gary started to learn to talk. I taught him the alphabet because he couldn't read, he couldn't do maths. He didn't know what numbers were. And during that time, we did the Captain Tom Challenge. I wondered what we could do. So I decided we'd see if we could get him to count from one to one hundred. It took us about five weeks of constantly counting and Mm -hmm. I videoed it and he did it. And we raised money for the Stroke Association and he became quite a celebrity during that time. He was in most of the national papers. And again, he was an inspiration to other people. Eventually, we've got what I consider the best life back possible in this situation. We travel, we keep ourselves busy. Gary has now relearned to play golf, even though he has paralysis in his right side, he's learned his left side to pull the right side along. I assist him because I've never played golf, but I assist him. He plays in competition golf now. His handicap's not too strong, is (laughs) it? No. no. But he's getting there. He also plays one-handed left-hand pull, On a Sunday morning. (laughs) He can now count, tell the time, he can use his mobile phone. His short-term memory is almost back, his long-term memory is back. He's got a great life now, even though he has an awful lot of problems, but we don't dwell on them and we don't let anybody else dwell on them either.
1: Gary's speech, movement and his memory were all affected.
0: Gary had chronic aphasia. His short-term memory was only three seconds. So if I said, This is Aiden, and then three le- seconds later I'd say, Who is this? He wouldn't remember. So you can imagine how hard that is to learn. He had long-term memory loss also. So he couldn't yeah. remember things to bring them out of his memory. He didn't know he had children, he didn't know where he lived, he didn't remember his parents. It yeah. was a very frightening time. But I I still feel that a lot of the therapies they do, they're not conducive to everyday living. We are all different, I understand. But for Gary, I found that if I gave him something to do that was part of his everyday world, his brain would often click in. Like, for instance, if I showed you Gary's right arm, if I pick his right arm up as I am now, it's very heavy. has no control and if i drop it it just drops to his knee anybody would look and think well that's no use to anybody but if i put my elbow on the table in the position of doing an arm wrestle as i hold it it's very heavy in my hand but the minute i say arm wrestle one two three on three he will absolutely push my arm down it is so small so all our therapies are conducive to getting the arm to work, but yep. with everyday things, like he can now raise his arm himself, yep. put it onto a handle, press the handle down and pull a door open. They tried to get him to do things at the clinic, but it didn't click with his brain. Mm-hmm. But the therapies I do click with his brain. So every day we do things like that. With the door handler, he used to use his other arm to put his hand on, but okay. he'd do it 10 times every day. And within a week, it clicked in and he can yeah. do it now himself. Like the pool, the same as golf. At first, I used to bandage his hand to the club. But now, I don't need to because it clicks in when he fails the club in his hand. So, we do things like that every day. We do lots of different different speech therapies. I've, I've yeah. learnt from listening and watching him that if he's struggling for a word... And I say to him, close your eyes. Can you see the word? He'll say yes. Yes. And then I say, What's the first letter of the word? And he'll air write it. So if he wanted to say, say food, he would put an F. I would form the F with my lips, like, and then he'll just say food. So as long as he knows what the word is in his head, yeah. and I give him that first. Letter, he can get it. And this is how we have a conversation, which is what our life is like. Yeah. And I've taught other people, friends, and family to do the same. So I can now let Garrett stop with somebody in the bar. I can go and sit with a friend, and he can sit with a friend, and they can have a conversation with him. Yeah. It's not the easiest, but the more people do it, the easier it gets. That's what we do. Why don't we do lots of? I take him to a swimming pool and we do aqua aerobics together. Yeah. I mean, Gary struggles walking. He has a walking stick, he's very, very slow. He's very unbalanced. And yet in a swimming pool, I can get onto his back and he can walk with yeah. me on his back. Yeah. Much to the amusement of everybody that sees him walking to get in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> so we try to make it fun and just everyday things really.
1: Coming up, Pauline talks about getting on with life.
0: I want to strive to make everything better for him. And it's given me a huge focus on our lives yeah, because yeah. we worked very hard before. We weren't together all the time because of it. Now we are together all the time. And everybody that knows us, I think, is a little bit envious. A lot of people, when they read my first book, the common thing that a lot of people people said to me was, I suppose we're all looking for that love that you've got.
1: And writing a series of books.
0: We now have to climb this mountain.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's not going to be easy. Yeah, yeah. But if we don't make it to the top, we'll never see the view ever again. Mm-hmm. And that's really how the Extraordinary Journey title yeah, came. Yeah, is, yeah. I wrote one book, everybody went mad, and wanted me to write another. So I did. And now they're asking for a third. So I'm just about to start a third one.
1: Here's Pauline talking about Gary's ongoing recovery.
0: He had to retire. I had to retire. We weren't yeah, yeah. ready, but we did. I tell people now my job now is to make my husband happy every day. And I think yeah. we succeed in doing that. He's yeah. happy. He yeah. never has down moments, he never has dark moments. No, no. He always looks to the forward. He never looks back. He yep. always looks forward. Yeah, yeah, And he always says, Pauline and Gary, slowly, slowly, better. better, better. He says it at least 20 times a day. There was a time yeah. when Gary was at the clinic and I would be there eight in the morning until eight in the evening. And then I'd go home to an empty apartment. I There were times in the car when I would have the music on and I would... Just it would come into my mind. I used to think, is there something wrong with me? Because why don't I feel worse than I do? Yeah. I didn't feel bad for myself, only for Gary. I think the biggest thing we have going for us, and I've said it to a lot of people this situation is very difficult for anybody. But if you love your partner, The way I love mine. You're the people that we are. It's simple for me. Because Gary, without Gary in my life, my life would be very, very poor. It's a pleasure for me to make Gary better and to make him happy. And I think that's fair to say. I don't suffer with dark times. I don't suffer with any depression at all. I want to strive to make everything better for him. And it's given me a huge focus on our lives because we worked very hard before. We weren't together all the time because of it. Now we are together all the time. And everybody that knows us, I think, is a little bit envious. A lot of people, when they read my first book, the common thing that a lot of people said to me was, I suppose... We're all looking for that love that you've got. The other thing is, we were never, ever, either of us, victims. We would never be victims of this, ever. It's happened. Life deals you out at bad hands sometimes. But if it throws you a curveball, go with it and it's easier to catch.
1: Throughout Gary's recovery, Pauline made notes on his progress and how she was feeling.
0: I kept a journal from the very first moment really when gary was in intensive care the first day Mm -hmm. i found i was going through his bag because i wanted his phone and he had a works diary in there and it was for the for the following year had he stroke in the november and this was for the following year 2019 and it was empty and clear so the first day I started by just putting my thoughts down, how I felt. And I did a page a day. And then when he came out and went to rehab, I started looking back at it. And I thought, you know what? I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing this. So when he was having a rest every afternoon, I'd write in the journal for that day. And eventually, when we were home, I read through it. And I thought, you know, I think I'm going to write a book. So I wrote it and I called it Our Extraordinary Journey because that's what I felt it was. He had this terrible thing and I felt like we started at the bottom, the base of a mountain, and that, because we were in Switzerland, I think, that came. And I thought, we now have to climb this mountain and it's not going to be easy. But if we don't make it to the top, we'll never see the view ever again. And that's really... How the Extraordinary Journey title yeah, came. Yeah, it is, yeah. I wrote one book. Everybody went mad and wanted me to write another. So I did. And now they're asking for a third. So I'm just about to start a third one. If they want, if they want that inspiration, not just for people in Gary's situation, okay, maybe, yeah, yeah. but also everyday people, normal people that haven't had this, who might be struggling with everyday life. It's about... Being positive for the future, never looking over your shoulder, never, ever thinking, how bad is this for me? Never feeling sorry for yourself. If it wasn't Gary, it would have been somebody else and I wouldn't wish it on somebody else. It's about trying to run your life and don't be a victim, never.
1: For Pauline and Gary, therapy has been an important part of recovery.
0: You have to accept all the help that yeah. is offered yeah. and don't ever think that people are sympathetic because they have to be for gary and anybody in his situation initially i know initially when gary was in the hospital okay. in um, switzerland when he couldn't do anything he was laying in a bed he couldn't even swallow he was fed by a tube he had paralysis in his throat I used to climb into bed at night in the middle of the night because I'd hear him crying. And I used to get into bed with him and I'd give him a cuddle and I'd say to him, this is just the nighttime hours. I used to call it the demons that climb under the door when the nighttime comes. (laughs) And don't just sit there, do whatever you can. I'd sit him up, I'd drag him out of the bed, put him in a chair and let's just sit here with some music. Yeah, yeah. Do what people ask you to do. Don't refuse to do therapy. Don't get lazy. If Gary didn't want to do his therapy, I used to say to him, "Okay, you don't want to do it. But let me just remind you, my life is only as good as you allow it to be. And he'd smile and he'll do it. For a partner, for instance, a wife or a partner or a girlfriend, I would say don't make this stroke about you don't you become the victim of it the stroke happens to both of you not just to one it happens to both of you and you both must be strong together you've got to put your arms around each other but don't give up don't let him sit in a chair make him get up and walk they told me gary would be in a wheelchair the rest of his life mm-hmm. what i said to them then I, I, the same thing as i say now not on my watch
1: Together, Gary and Pauline have put a huge amount of dedication and hard work into Gary's recovery, and they're now living their best lives to the fullest. Thank you for listening to Stroke Stories. Please do comment and subscribe to help us spread the word. And if you are, or you know of, a stroke survivor with a story to share, please get in touch via our DMs on Twitter and Instagram, which are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.
0: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years.